Hello. Testies, testies, one, two. Oh, we're back on testies. Doesn't take very much, does it? Sibilance. <laughs> Sibilance. Plosives. That's a new one I've learned recently. Yes. I haven't done any vocal warm-ups, so I'm just going to sound a bit rubbish. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done any vocal warm-ups, but I have tried to do something about my wind. <laughs> what, what do you want to talk about? When do you want to start the podcast? <laughs> oh, it never ended. It's still going on. Let's <laughs> try and level my chair up now and... Uh... You're levelling it up. Have you uh, been pouring, t- taking it on adventures, pouring it into... Uh, uh, sexy pants. Into in-game experiences. It's got all of its XP, and now you're going to decide which powers your chair's going to get. Yeah. We didn't talk We didn't talk much about the podcast. Pod- podcast? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a holocaust and a pod... Uh, holocaust. <laughs> if I can now listen to me. A holocaust and a podcast. Podcast. I'm going to become a, a podcast denier. <laughs> D- yeah. I've taken four other rival podcasters and shoved their heads in an oven. <laughs> I think it might be too early in the... Uh... Or is that a plathcast? <laughs> that is a plathcast, yeah. Uh, po- poet laureate... Cut. No, that's rubbish. Forget that, forget I said that. All right. Unanswered. Before the internet, Steve, you know, in the 1950s, when we were both young, <clears throat> before the internet had been invented, mm. uh, what would you have said a troll was? Uh, right. I always understood a troll as um, impish, small, humanoid figure with pointy ears, maybe a tail with almost like an arrowhead on the end of it, bluish in colour. Blue. Oh, interesting. Um, slightly furry. Often found under bridges. Yes. Um, yep. And whether they owned the bridge or not, they would act as if the bridge was theirs and would challenge goats. Specifically goats. Specifically goats. Mm-hmm. If uh, they attempted to trip trap the goatees terminology for walk <laughs> yeah. across that particular troll's bridge. That's how I've always understood troll. Certainly, me too. This is ground that's well covered by the seminal film Upworld, which was a Stan Winston film from the 1980s, which was about a troll that came from... Apparently, they live under the ground in that mythos. They live under the ground, and they dig through rock as if it's water. It it was a film starring Anthony Michael Hall. It was kind of a, a buddy cop movie, but with one of the buddies being roughly Ewok height, and, and with the ability to uh, talk monosyllabically and uh, dig through rock with his hands. I can't really remember much else about that film. But at the same time, there was also uh, the more recent film, Troll, Troll Hunter, which also explored uh, the world of trolls. Now, you see, this is the thing. I mean, in, in the fairy stories of my youth... In the fairy stories of my youth, there literally isn't a more pompous way... <laughs> To say what I just said. Um, They're generally quite benign. I mean, they'll eat you if you're trying to go... If you're a goat, specifically, as you put it, they kind of claim ground for their own. Yeah. They don't stray far from that ground. They're generally quite benign, unless you need to go across a bridge, um, in which case they'll uh, try and harass you. But if you don't bother them, because they see that as bothering them, really, because I guess it's quite noisy acoustically living under a bridge... 
Especially if you've got hooves going over the bridge, that's going to be quite annoying. Hooves <clears> on wood—that's yeah, that's quite grating actually. If you if you avoid them, generally you're not going to be in too much trouble. Um, I think that was kind of how it worked for hundreds of years in terms of what the word meant. But then it went through this kind of phase about, I guess, at the beginning of the internet. It went through a phase for about five, ten years, meaning a very specific behaviour that happens on the internet rather than in in the woods and under the bridges of uh, Eastern Europe, I guess. I'm guessing that they didn't get many trolls in America, despite what the Stan Winston film would have told you. Um, But it kind of, there was that sweet spot where everyone, everyone on the internet who used the term kind of probably vaguely knew what they were talking about. And since then, it's come to mean... A lot of different things, and I think we we kind of uh, we kind of want to talk a, a bit about that and yeah. uh, try and nail down what it means, um, how it relates to other behaviours. Yeah, I kind of uh, tricked you and everyone there by making it seem like we were going to talk about the real world when actually we're probably just going to be talking about the internet today. I think there's something very particular about this sort of semi-jokey, semi-territorial sort of behaviour that happens online. Trolling, as I think I would have first experienced it, and I guess you would have probably first experienced it as well, would have been on message boards. Oh, yeah. I guess before that there was probably, I don't know... um, what was there before then, like uh, Usenet, BBS and things like that, that would have probably also had a very similar uh, quarter where there was um, prankish, dickish behaviour. But um, the internet in the United Kingdom didn't really seem to start showing itself until like maybe 1994, 1995. It was like the first time you heard of like CompuServe and 14.4 kilobits per second. And Sure. I don't know when I had my first internet connection. It was probably not long before um, the turn of the century. It would have been the late 90s. Maybe. Yeah, the same for me. I think the first time I experienced the internet was like uh, at a school friend's house and they had their own PC and they were on CompuServe and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it took three minutes for a little photograph to download, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it totally blew my mind at the time. It's like, oh my God, you know, you can, on your computer, stuff comes to you and you're not having to put a disc in. This is pretty amazing. Uh, there was there was like waiting a long time for images to download. There was something called email, and there was also um, chat rooms. Yes. By the time I'd got my own computer and had uh, a modem and connected to the internet, it was probably the year two thousand. I was on chat rooms first before I discovered message boards. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see a great deal of trolling behaviour in chat rooms. There were like public chat rooms and they were usually quite heavily moderated. So if there was any signs of someone playing up, there was always a moderator in charge and could like throw them out of the room. Discovering message boards was a pretty fascinating time. I, I haven't been a member of that many, but you know, you find you find message boards that are like on, on a subject that you're interested in, like uh, like the cooked and bombed site and their message board, and you know, it was heavily focused around British comedy. There were a couple of wrestling based message boards that I'd been a member of over the years and stuff like that. Did you ever spend any time on the Something Awful forums? I'd read the site, but uh, I never actually joined up to the forums. No understand that that was quite a fertile ground well certainly and in some ways now a lot of the humor on the internet 
a lot of the ways that people make jokes in on social networks is very similar to what was going on around there. But I'm just thinking that the cooked and bombed. I see my experience of forums was very much formed in the various different forums that Warren Ellis had right early this century and at the tail end of last century. I'm imagining that cooked and bombed and probably something awful, although they were probably quite strictly uh, moderated. I think there was probably still enough difficult behaviour seeping through the cracks where uh, you had a group of moderators, but not one central dictator. Yeah, um, where there were probably enough enough times because we haven't really we haven't really got around to explaining what troll meant back no, then. No, we'll get there. Where somebody took it upon themselves to just wind people up just for their own amusement. Yeah, that didn't tend to happen on the Warren Ellis forums. He was very clear about what the rules were there, and he was very unapologetic about the fact that it was, uh, I guess the term would be a benign dictatorship. There were maybe three different rules, but they all amounted to don't take liberties, don't be a dickhead, don't expect to be able to complain about it if Warren Ellis decides that you're being a dickhead and you're sanctioned because of it. So I didn't really, I didn't really get to see a lot of this behaviour. But I, I guess at the same time, I was kind of hearing about it. I was very conscious on, on the message boards I'm talking about because it later became a different, uh, it later became the engine. The people on there were talking about it, the lack of trolling, the lack of these negative behaviours as being something quite refreshing. Hmm. So you got to hear about them, uh, kind of in contrast by their absence. Um, but did you ever see any really major? behavior lapses i guess you would have been on sports forums like f1 forums and stuff back then not really not really f1 forums no um there would have been a couple of pro wrestling focused message boards uh there was also a message board i was on for a while which was attached to a website of a guy who'd write on pro wrestling fan sites and stuff so his was more general purpose uh it wasn't like solely focused on the topic i didn't see anything particularly spiteful like really focusing on one person and grinding them down sort of a thing once you've been on any message board for a few months you've sort of figured out who the celebrities are you you've you've figured out the people who are very regular posters who are well known within the message board who have a reputation for you know being the nice guy or having the smart things to say or the troll or the guy who's just always joking but isn't targeting anybody or being hurtful or anything but yeah in amongst those you've got those familiar faces who would be there just to try and stir things up yeah to start a flame war to pick at one or two of the more sensitive members of the message board to, to upset you know a, a noob who's like broken one of the uh, holy rules of of the message board and they've done a massive faux pas you would see the pot being stirred sometimes it would be amusing and you'd watch it unfurl other times you'd just be a bit bored of it but i don't think there was anything that i felt was necessarily unfair i think on a couple of occasions though and my memory is really sketchy on this but i have the feeling that on a couple of occasions there have been points where someone has tried to expose someone else on a message board that they've tried to figure out you know their email addresses and where they live and where they work and that kind of stuff which starts to get a little bit underhand that's sketchy that almost doesn't feel like what I know as trolling, though. That feels like a whole other horrible behaviour. Well, no, exactly. It's it's much worse. 
talking of a fixed point in time and and slightly lapsed memory, I think I was on a news group, the old Comics International news group, before the Warren Ellis forums I was on. And actually, now that I think about it, although those were generally quite nice, there were two or three characters on there who um, I think thought of themselves as provocateurs. Agent provocateur kind of just makes me think of underwear. Um, I don't think they thought of themselves as lingerie models. But actually, they were just dicks. They'd find the person that they could wind up the most, the easiest target, which wasn't me as often as you might think, <laughs> but but quite often was me, and would just pick away at something they'd said until it became a full-blown argument, at which point they'd yeah. uh, start to do the slightly abusive boyfriend thing of from the high ground or what they thought was the high ground saying uh, they uh, they didn't understand why you'd got emotional and, and and suggesting that you were somehow that they had somehow been completely neutral and you were being emotional but they didn't understand why when they knew why because they'd wound you up deliberately mm. well now that i've said that out loud i'm pretty sure i have behaved in a way that people have identified as that before <laughs> um and if I've made those people feel the way I always used to feel when I observed that or was, or was the recipient of that, I'm very sorry, although uh, I maintain that I've never deliberately tried to... See, I, one of the things I really like about the internet, one of the things that it makes possible for us is the ability to have conversations with other people. Yeah. There haven't always been times in my life when i could find people who were who were interested in having the same conversations as i was growing up you and i possibly will have had the same experience of the football conversation i know we've probably talked about it before we have yeah. but it wasn't always that easy to find other people who'd want to talk to you about comics or something like that so for me and for you the reason we hang around in places where we can talk to people is so that we can exchange ideas or try and work out what makes other people tick but in a way that's beneficial to both of us you know you you communicate you listen to people that's interesting you maybe get people get to be listened to that's yeah. also quite interesting that's why we do it i've never understood in the past the desire to engage in a conversation just to get a reaction or to say something just to piss people off mm. As I said, I didn't get it. The reason I'm being so uh, around about, about this is since the early days of the internet, I've maybe become a, just a little bit more chilled out about the way other people are, mainly because of stuff that's happened in the real world, to be honest. I think that a lot of the time the problems we have understanding people who behave in ways like that is down to us immediately assuming that everyone kind of thinks roughly the same way as, as we do, that they get the same things out of life. But we're not really accounting for the person who's a bit emotionally stunted, who has lived in a basement or under the earth um, <laughs> for, for most of their life and isn't really that interested in exchanges of ideas. That They don't f necessarily get to make a mark on the world around them in mm. a way that is enough for them emotionally. So the, the internet allows them to do that. Because negative or positive, an impact, an impact when you don't really feel like you're making a, your mark on the world or deep down you don't feel like you're making your mark on the world. I'm not saying it's okay that people behave that way. I think the other thing you talked about is more this weird crusading spirit that sometimes the internet can bring out of people. 
I think that comes from an almost a linked but very different sort of place as well, doesn't it? It's it, it comes from the the place that where you you are pretty certain you're in the right that this other person doesn't deserve their anonymity, and that's why you try and out them. Mm. I kind of got lost there a little bit trying to empathise with the monsters, but you know sometimes sometimes don't we all feel like that little hairy guy living under a bridge? <laughs> One of the things that would strike anybody, but certainly struck me when I first used the internet on a regular basis, was how open it felt. You could, if you knew where to look, read about anything, talk to people about anything, you know, regardless of whether your interests were conventional or very unconventional. There was a place for you. It must have felt quite inviting and almost comforting, I think, for those who felt like they couldn't necessarily relate to those around them in the real world to find somewhere in the online space where they were able to perhaps be a little bit more relaxed, to be a little bit more themselves, to be able to talk to people, you know, meet people online that they've never spoken to before about anything, potentially, if you're in a chat room or, uh, you know, if you're in an open chat room or if you're in a chat room about a particular subject or a message board about a particular subject, you could really get into detail about something. You know, if you were big Star Wars fans, you could wax lyrical about Lando Calrissian for days if you wished. And you could do that in a way that you couldn't in real life. You couldn't pick up a thread a few days later and carry on the conversation with people halfway around the world. It just wasn't possible without expensive phone calls or, you know, trips around the world on... Concord. Uh, yeah, Concord, exactly, Concord. Which was an aeroplane that existed back then. Back in history, which is what we're talking about. That, on one level, is welcoming and inviting, and it's no wonder, then, that I certainly did, and you probably did too, found that it was easy to lose hours doing this stuff. Definitely. I think another aspect that I think bolstered confidence, for better or for worse, was the fact you could have a second identity. Here you were at your desk, joining message boards, email address, uh, chat rooms, all of this kind of stuff, and you didn't have to use your name. You could be, I don't know, Scooby-Doo 748 uh, at <laughs> yeah. yahoo.com. And that was who you were, you know, and that's how people knew you. The same with message boards. You could you could adopt any nom de plume that you wanted. You didn't have to use your own name. So what did that mean? That meant you were not necessarily like a different person. You had this uh, you had this online persona where you could potentially feel more expressive. Mm. Of course, there is another side to that. If everyone was behaving more like themselves, more open, more friendly, less likely to see differences based on, you know, what country they were in, what colour skin they had, what they believed in. You know, if it was all if it was all like that, then, yeah, sure, we can call ourselves whoever we want and it wouldn't really matter. Mm. The trouble is, is that that, anon that anonymity uh, also affords us to be darker yeah. than we could in real life. We've got this extra layer of abstraction now, which separates us from the things that we say. So it's much easier for someone to troll you in a chat room or a message board. They don't, first of all, they don't really know you. You don't really know them. All you'd have to do is like bail out of that chat room or log off and it wouldn't be an issue. But they could say things, they could tease you, they could do things which wouldn't be possible anywhere else because they'd have to do it to your face. Yeah, They'd actually have to have the gumption to toy with you, to, to flame you in person. Although it can end up looking like bullying, it isn't, strictly speaking, is it? If someone could go up to people in meat space and give them shit, then they probably would. 
certainly back then, they wouldn't do it anonymously online. They'd do it where everyone can see them. Mm. At the moment, we're still focusing around kind of pre-social media internet behaviour, which still sort of holds what we would see as the traditional... <laughs> if, if that's a, even a way that we could refer to it, but a traditional form of trolling. What you and I would understand as what trolling has always been. Yeah. I just noticed on dictionary.com this evening, most of the things it's used to describe are actually fishing terms. Number one, to sing or utter in a full rolling voice. Number three, to fish for, or basically it's about fishing, as in fishing for pike. It's the way you move the line to try and catch a fish. Right. I think most people, when they use the term or when they ascribe the term to a particular behaviour, they're thinking of the creature. But I wonder if you looked into the etymology of the term in modern usage. Maybe it started on some pretty rough-and-tumble fishing forums. I mean, actual fishing, like places where people talk about fishing for actual fish. It may have even happened before that, um, when message boards were basically large tables where <laughs> people actually sat and spoke to each other in person. The etymology for troll, as I'm uh, looking at Wikipedia, uh -huh. uh, says that it has been asserted that the verb to troll originates from Old French troller, a hunting term, as you were talking about. Uh, uh -huh. The main meaning is given uh, to lead or drag someone around. In terms of fishing, that would be dragging a lure or a baited hook from a moving boat. Almost like trawl, if you think of trawler. Oh, we might be getting somewhere with this. We could get an academic white paper out of this. I wonder if the reason that's called trolling doesn't come from the time when people used to hunt trolls by dragging, like, the carcass of a lamb or something behind uh -huh, yeah. a car or a horse. Over a bridge. Yeah, over a bridge or through the woods. Language is an interesting thing, isn't it? Oh, I'm looking at Urban Dictionary. One reference to Troll from 2002 says, one who posts a deliberately provocative message to a newsgroup or message board with the intention of causing maximum disruption and argument. As you go down the page, and unfortunately there's no way of arranging them by year, but as you go down the page and uh, look at the entries from 2005, and, you know, as the entries get later, the definitions become longer and more involved and, and seemingly more leading more specific about specific circumstances in different environments, which means it's one of those terms that's like become more, comp the definition of it has become more complicated. Maybe all languages like this, maybe the more people use the language, the, the more complicated it gets. That sort of trolling behaviour that we recognised on the message boards, one of the aspects of it that was, well, not comforting necessarily, but, but that was easy to grasp, was that these were in, compared to everybody connected on the internet, these were relatively small communities of people. Yeah. And it wasn't that hard to identify which members of that community were playing the troll. Yeah, who to ignore, really, or who to not let wind you up. You recognised who they were, you'd either laugh along with what they were doing, or you just paid it no heed at all. I mean, this behaviour doesn't die out, but things, I think, started to shift once we look at what we understand as social networking, which, you know, you could say, like, chat rooms and message boards and, and, and stuff like that were very, very early versions of. They're all still quite... Uh, niche, technically nerdy sort of things, if you're looking at the internet from like a mainstream sort of modern day point of view. Whereas social networking, as I would have experienced it, would have started with MySpace. But certainly now, by and large, it's Facebook or it's Twitter. That's not to say that there aren't other communities such as Tumblr that might have a similar issue. 
Um, mm. I'm thinking to a way, way lesser extent. But the two that are part and parcel of online life today, it would definitely be those two, Facebook and Twitter. The behaviour is still there, but the targets are different and the audience is also very different. Facebook's maybe a little bit different, but Twitter certainly is much more free-ranging. What you're talking about with forums, I think, is that they tend to be closed sets. For the most part, they are geared around people having similar interests. Most people gravitate towards people that interest them on Twitter, certainly, but it's much more fluid. It's much easier to drop in on a conversation. It's much easier to be a completely random element in somebody else's life on there. I mean, even someone like MySpace was a bit like this. But say the Delphi forums that I was talking about, what you'd do is, if you're interested in comics or interested in politics or something, you would put a search in and it would bring you back a list of forums that dealt with that particular subject and then you'd have to join the forums and then you'd have to drill down into each forum to kind of work out what was being discussed what was going on there there was a bit more work involved whereas with twitter you can literally do a search for a hashtag or not even for a hashtag you can just do a search for something and you'll see everybody who's talking about that in real time or you'll do a search for a subject and there'll be 15 tweets in the first 20 that will infuriate you (laughs) On that, on that particular subject that will feel like they, you'll have never met those people. You'll have never experienced them before. There are literally millions of users and you're all in one big pot, even though you find the people you want to follow, you find the communities. Because it's completely freeform, it is possible to find out what people who you have never encountered before are saying about a subject really, really easily. In terms of people who are already predisposed to antisocial behaviours, that's anonymity cubed almost it's so much easier and more efficient to drop into somebody else's conversation drop your little troll bomb in the middle of it and then watch from a distance to see what happens or Mm. or wind people up who you are never going to have to it's not like it's not like people didn't drop in to forums randomly cause a lot of damage and get out but you had to be a lot more committed to it yeah than you do on on somewhere like twitter the facebook has this like a weird extension of your relationships in the real world though because generally you're not friends with people on facebook because of a shared interest so much as they're people you know and some of them are interested in the same things as you and then maybe you meet other people through them and that's how you get to know people but most people still have their actual name attached their real name attached on facebook or whatever passes for it it's a lot less anonymous I think the behaviour does still exist, but you're right about the anonymity issue. It's like because you're pretty much dealing with real names and, you know, there'll be plenty of photographs of you and stuff like that. You know, it's pretty clear who you are. So I guess there's more gumption required. Well, this is, I mean, that's the interesting thing about Facebook is I think there have probably been more real life friendships or real life connections between people that you were at school with or that are in your family or whatever that have been broken because of Facebook than on any other place. Because people people fall out with people on Facebook and then go to Twitter to talk about it. So you sort of see lots of people saying, uh, when there's a particular story around race or something that comes up in the news, I've just had to, I've just had to sever all contact with my grandmother and my two brothers or whatever, um, because I didn't realise they were such racist scumbags or, <laughs> or something like that. You have to opt in more 
to be in contact with people in that space than you do in Twitter. So it's kind of that's true. But what's interesting about that, I think, the and it, it kind of is still in reference to trolling, but it's also um, the, nearly all of the other behaviours, the people who are right on to the point where it, it hurts, the people who try and correct other people's behaviour constantly, um, not because they're trolling, but because they're, they're being really well-meaning, the people who try and out other people, all of that stuff. In most cases, I don't think they're necessarily behaviours that are created by the internet, not that either of us are saying that they are, uh, so much as they're ones that are kind of inside people to a certain extent, but just kind of get worse because of the anonymity, because of the the bigger audience and stuff like that. Because I think you'll find a lot of people who don't use uh, who don't use Twitter or who don't engage in social networks at all. Um, your the the meet space people you meet, like your colleagues or family or whatever, mm. would would probably think when you talk about these behaviours, when you talk about trolling. Um, or when you try to, because normally their eyes glaze over pretty quickly, <laughs> they'll be like, well, I just don't know why you waste your time with that. But then when they're talking about stuff that's gone on with them at work or whatever, you start to see that there are people around you who will say things just to get a rise out of you all the time. In any group of 10 people, there is nearly always at least one person who uh, will look for the soft targets in the group and will poke at them. Sometimes it's not even always the same person. That role can drift around. These are all behaviours that are out there already, but the thing about Facebook is there is that weird... It's not anonymity, but it's it's at one remove from... You aren't having to look the... Per- you know the person that you're saying this stuff to, yeah. but you're not having to look them in the eye when you say it. So it's almost like anonymity. There is that remove. So you're more likely to say stuff that is more extreme or behave in a more extreme way than you would when you're actually there in person. People say awful things all the time in meat space, but they're not written down, so you can't look at them and pour over them over and over again and get that's worked up true, about actually. them. That's very true, actually. That is very true. It's not, not something I'd actually, um, I'd actually thought about in terms of this, but you're right in, in, in the respect that it's easier because you're one step removed. You're not having to deal with immediate physical meat space, actual tangible consequences from like saying something to get a rise out of someone or to be offensive. You know, there is, there is going to be an immediate retort. It's also in real life, if that does happen, it's dealt with. And then it becomes history. It's the past and you can't touch it or or live it anymore. Whereas, sure, if it's online, then there's a permanent record. Unless there is a way of, you know, deleting it completely. It's possible for something that was intended just to be a one-off comment to grow a life of its own for, you know, weeks on end or for someone who wasn't there at the time to see it a couple of weeks later and then feel hurt you know, because, you know, they weren't there at the time when it happened, but they still have access to it. So, yeah, I think in, in regards to the permanence, it has a greater weight. It has a greater danger, doesn't it? You have the potential to harm a lot of people that you couldn't do if you were just like in a group of 10 people. For sure. It might be that the way you behave hasn't become as much of a problem in meat space. If you're at a dinner, if you're at a table with a bunch of friends in a pub, um, it's only really the person, and I know I've been this person, um, it's only really the uh, the person next to you who has to deal with you. Everyone else can kind of have their own conversations. Another thing I think that maybe separates trolling as as we originally uh, described it and also that sort of same wind-up behavior that happens in real life is that in both of those environments they can be quickly moderated 
which can't be said for social networks. There mm. isn't an army of hired employees or elected members who could see an offensive or potentially trolly thing and get rid of it, ban the user, close down the thread, those sorts of things. These behaviours are more likely to remain. It would be down to the other people who see it to deal with the troll, or it would probably take an exceptional amount of complaints or something very public for the people at either of those two organisations to actually do something about the content. Sure. I, I think it, it might tie into what you were saying earlier on. That's one of the reasons these environments are so vibrant and so great. You don't have to feel restricted by anything except your own conscience, sure. really. Yeah. People are just as prone to playing the part or wanting to be popular online as they are offline. So, yeah, you're going to feel the pressure of your own conscience and the pressure of uh, the people that you want to respect you. But that's really the only pressures you'll feel, and that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you actually said that their user, uh, they kind of end up being user-moderated spaces. Certainly Twitter ends up being a, a place where people very much take matters into their own hands. Mm. But I actually feel, and I think we probably both agree on this, that that's almost as bad a behaviour. It almost hampers one's comfortable enjoyment of the environment as as a relatively neutral, just reasonable person. The fact that there's always some crusade to get someone to retract something they've said or something. Well, yeah, I mean, what this then starts turning into is a debate on candour. When we were talking about kind of the self-regulation, it was sort of touching very, very uh, loosely on what we were also talking about in opinions and how do we deal with other people and their opinions? Well, we just mm. have to. And you should be able to deal with it in a sensible, measured, respectful manner. Now, that isn't necessarily to say that the troll is going to play ball with you. I would consider it best practice to not rise to the bait I think the problem that can often happen is, as you were saying, that it becomes an argument. You give the troll what they want. You've kind of escalated it. At any point, the troll can just give up and walk away. It doesn't matter. They've had their fun. But from the other person's point of view, they feel like there's something, that there's grounds that they need to defend. I don't think it happens quite so much with just ordinary people, though. This tends to happen to people who have got some sort of notoriety. This mm. may well be a local celebrity or someone who's in a news story or someone like that. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like the rich and famous. Let's say anyone with over, and this is an arbitrary number, 1,500 followers. More followers than, can possibly, than they can possibly keep up with. There are a whole range of people who could be targets for trolling. And, and yeah, mm. I mean, they are not necessarily famous people from radio, TV, cinema, what have you. But they could be writers or respected people in their field. A lot of people that I read stuff from are uh, from either comics or the tech press or in web design and development. You know, and these are significant figures. They have things to say. They're leaders in their field. They're respected figures in their field, which does mean, of course, that in that field, there are going to be people who are going to have some grudge potentially they become they become a target to people who feel maybe they don't deserve their spot or people who again that whole thing about everyone wanting feeling like they exist that little bit more if they've got an audience 
Um, if you wind someone up who has a certain amount of uh, online fame um, and you manage to get them to respond, suddenly you become that little bit more visible. If what's important to you is the attention, not whether or not you're actually loved, um, which is, you know, I think the case a lot of the time, there's that as well, isn't there? Sometimes it isn't even that you've got a personal issue with the person. And there's a little bit of that with Facebook because, again, you know the people, so it's more difficult to just offload them you quite often know them in real life a little bit there is that but i mean it's important not to exclude facebook pages and facebook groups of course yeah um where you don't necessarily know them but you're you're participating in a corner of facebook where people who don't necessarily know each other would meet mm. if you're a celebrity of, of of some repute you've got quite a few facebook friends and maybe you have a page instead of just your profile and you know in, in, in which case the page would come into consideration but that, i mean there have been several cases in which Facebook groups or Facebook pages have been trolled. For, as someone who only has 600 people that they really pay attention to on Twitter, it's a relatively busy experience, but it is manageable. Yeah. I wonder if trolling can even exist, for me, certainly on there, when you've got the block button. There are lots of tools in place to tune someone out. Um, okay, that doesn't stop someone who's going to full-on stalk you. If someone wants to create multiple accounts and come after you, which I think is a completely different behaviour again. It is. I would, I would really, see it as, yeah. Yeah, you can't really do anything about it. But if our definition of a troll is that slightly old one, well, if someone's saying something you don't like on Twitter, you don't have to listen to it in quite the same way that you necessarily had to deal with it in those more enclosed spaces. There's a certain amount of sim, uh, symbiosis, I guess, in any troll and trolley relationship anyway. You can you don't have to engage with them. But on Twitter, even more than on those past forums or maybe the schoolyard where you could just ignore someone, you're almost trolling yourself by engaging with them when you could... You, you can see the signs. Yeah. You know, when you're watching a celebrity account... And um, I follow a couple of people, specifically Dan Slott and Damon Lindelof, where you can instantly tell the people who just aren't going to be worth engaging with. <laughs> There's just no point. They're obviously trying to get a rise out of you. You just get rid of them. You can cancel them in your area, which is what Tom Cruise would say. You don't have to deal with that negativity. But there's almost this part of you that can't help it. I'm not saying that being trolled is a narcotic experience that, that people enjoy, but you, you kind of maybe you feel that you have lost something somehow by just hiding from those people or just getting rid of them. It's interesting there that we've started to touch on members of social networks that have some notoriety. Mm -hmm. Some of them are built better for criticism than others. The example of uh, Damon Lindelof there is quite good. There are there are several people who will deal with people who are coming to them with quite negative comments, you know, in, in a combative way, not necessarily arguing with them, kind of rising to the bait, but retweeting them or mentioning them and saying this person is saying is just being a moron and looking mm -hmm. at it that way. Um, up until that point, that troll has more than likely just done a reply directly to you. Yeah. And so the conversation is literally between two people. But then by mentioning it or retweeting it, they've actually publicized it. Now, that might be for better or for worse, right? You've exposed the troll, but you've given them a wider audience. 
which is probably what they were gunning for. You know, a lot of people are probably throwing negative comments at more popular, more well-known Twitter figures because they're sort of secretly hoping that they get retweeted. Because a lot of people play Twitter for the numbers game. More followers, more retweets, more mentions, more better. Depending on how it's done, it can turn into a crusade. Um, That's a behaviour that I don't like, actually. Ricky Gervais, for example, has been even articles written about this about about the way that he can often treat people who are who are either trolling him or coming at him with a negative opinion and will then expose them and call them out and will often encourage people to then go and tell this person how stupid they're being i'm not entirely sure that is like a tit for tat response because essentially you utilize your army of loyal followers potentially um, hero worshipping followers to then turn vitriol on someone who might have just been having a dig or might not have been entirely 100% serious. And then all of a sudden they're getting a deluge of people being probably worse to them. Sure. I mean, uh, Ricky Gervais is a slightly uh, complicated case anyway because his style winds people up to the point that he is being crusaded against quite often by people who, who yeah. weren't aware of how um, obnoxious they were being. So it's kind of interesting. I, I always wondered, he did a bit of an about-face on uh, on certain language he'd been using, and I think the people who'd been cru- crusading against him took that as a uh, victory for their righteous fury. But actually, I, I got the feeling it might have been as much because at that point, Ricky Gervais got to see what the people who were agreeing with him were really like, and I don't think that was company he necessarily wanted to keep. The evolution of the term troll seems to is actually something that winds me up almost as much as as much as the behaviour you, talk, you talked about then, um, and it seems to have been something that's largely been done by people in this low famous to ultra famous range. I have seen people using it, and quite a lot of people using it, uh, but they're normally from the newspaper columnist level up. To describe people who just didn't agree with them. Well, yeah, this is something that I was going to tie in, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, And that becomes quite problematic, not just because it confuses what the term troll had meant and means it gets thrown around a lot without it really being clear what people are talking about. Yeah. Um, But also because it's, it's kind of indicative of... There was this point at which people come onto Twitter naked and alone like a baby... Even even celebrities, there was a point when it wasn't as populated as it is now, where they turn up and they'll get that initial flood of um, followers. But someone like Graham Linehan, for example, kind of end up forming a personality on Twitter as well and getting people who follow them almost separate from the the fact that they produce TV or, or whatever, yeah. or, or, or newspaper columnists whose most of their work ha- exists behind a firewall, so the people who follow them on Twitter can't possibly all be reading <laughs> reading the stuff they're writing. They must know them from Twitter. And, and people kind of flocked to it because it enabled them to almost behave like a normal person. They weren't just surrounded by other TV people or other writers. They got to talk to normal people whatever normal means obviously or um you could engage with them as one of these normal people and depending on whether or not they'd kind of got the idea of twitter they'd engage back that almost seems to be one of the things they liked about it and it's it's like a really new thing isn't it it's only it's only really been the last like maybe three maybe four years for some of them Mm. where um 
people who are usually separated from the rest of the world by what they do for a living all of a sudden actually become just as connected as the rest of us there are plenty of actors for example who don't have their own website you know or or an about me page but uh, they have a presence on a social network and all of a sudden anybody can talk to them and they can talk to anybody if sure. you know if they if it's not it's not being run by a pr company actually them with their blackberry or whatever kind of dealing with stuff on a day and out basis so it's a very new thing for them to have to deal with once upon a time meeting a member of the public would be like signing an autograph for someone when you were going to get yourself a starbucks in the morning now you are surrounded by the public wherever you are essentially as an aside the threshold for being famous in those circumstances is much lower than it yeah exactly it's 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 this weird situation where you can be quite well known and still be talking to to civilians but you could see that to be i mean it, it was euphoric for a lot of them there have always been people who didn't quite get it but yeah it seems to have become and this has happened in the last couple of years there's ended up being this big debate where the use of the at mention of a celebrity has has come under scrutiny or of anyone really if you're saying something less than positive about something they've done has come under scrutiny is that okay to do is it not okay to do we've transitioned into this weird stage where a lot of the people who previously seemed to really enjoy this amount of contact and this ability to communicate with civilians have ended up forming these clumps i'm not going to use the term elite because that's really loaded and problematic. But specifically the thing we're talking about, the term troll, now that that's being assigned to almost any situation where someone is saying something you don't like, but they've included you in it, it's become problematic, especially if you are trying to have conversations with people about subjects that might be complicated. I can see why if you've got an episode of something on TV, it might feel combative for people to mention you when telling their friends um, how shit they thought your programme was. Maybe that seems a bit mean. But if you are using your platform to talk about something political that you don't agree with, mm. or, well, I mean, that's pretty much, po- politics covers almost everything in that particular, in this particular situation, do you know what I mean? Or, or something sociological you don't agree with, and people start responding to you in a way that you don't agree with, well, you invited debate. If you weren't inviting debate by bringing that up, you're possibly in the wrong place. As long as people are being respectful to you, calling them trolls kind of muddies the issue and, and becomes this weird social terminology and, and the making uh, making something that I don't think necessarily is a negative behaviour sound like a negative behaviour, like you're being hassled by the people. When a lot of the time they're just voicing an opinion the way you did, which is the beauty of a social space like Twitter. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's more likely than than not, but the term trolling has sort of broadened and sort of become an umbrella for, as you were saying, just behaviours which aren't what we would understand as as trolling in in, in the older sense, you know, in the in the traditional sense. That now it could just be a, a, a joke, not necessarily a particularly funny one or one in like or, or that offensive, but just a joke that someone didn't get. It could be, as you were saying, like just someone with a different point of view that the recipient wasn't prepared to deal with. But it can also be much worse than those. It can just be hateful behaviour. 
I don't think by and large when we think about trolling the way it used to be that wasn't necessarily hateful people were sort of being a bit of a prick at times sure. but it was to stir the pot it wasn't necessarily to exercise the, the, the worst aspects of them and I think that the term trolling is now often being used to describe hateful behaviour and harassment and things that have quite clearly got legal terminology already and, yeah. sh- and just because they happen online i don't think they should be called trolling it's like you know something that we're not touching in tonight's show bullying isn't trolling that's still called bullying that's still yeah. online bullying we haven't changed the terminology of that and i don't think hate speech and i don't think harassment should be hidden or excused i don't necessarily want the word trolling itself to become distorted in that way either because i'm not defending trolling but i just don't think that that's a word that should become something to describe things that have already got quite clear descriptions yeah when the same word you're using for people who are talking about uh violent acts threatening you with violent acts is the same word you're using for someone just disagreeing with you uh respectfully there's a problem there isn't there yeah i think both you and i have seen cases in our twitter feed where it could be a writer tends to be (laughs) people who write for newspapers tend Mm. to uh tend to be quite prickly about getting into conversations with people who disagree with them and as you were saying there is a tendency that if there is uh someone coming to one of these writers with an opposing point of view or is vociferously arguing or attempting to argue with them that there is a point where they actually don't want to participate in this discussion and will then start i don't i don't think it would be fair to say playing the victim Mm. but they decide that because they don't want to play this game anymore they're going to turn it into like a more personal attack that they've been personally attacked why won't they leave me alone sort of thing sure um in which case then you will get like uh, other people you know their other friends and stuff who will who can then often pipe up about this stuff and it becomes a thing yeah okay fine someone could actually be genuinely trolling them within that in the cases that i've seen i haven't really seen it that way but then it turns into this thing where uh, people are being mean to me online Mm. and rather than the actual it might not yeah yeah, exactly it might not actually be that it's just like something's happened that you don't really want to deal with but you don't know how to deal with it and it's one of those situations where quite often if you're inviting controversy or inviting conflict um, and then the conflict starts happening. It's it, you're on shaky ground when you try and back away from it in that particular way. Yeah. But it's I think uh, in nearly any social situation, your friends will stick up for you or support you. But if you are popular or well known, or you, you have enough people paying attention to you, you'll find you have more of those friends who will jump to your support. I, one one example that now seems like quite an old one and probably exists before the trolling thing started properly evolving. But um, the situation where somebody said that Stephen Fry was boring yeah. on Twitter and used the at to Stephen Fry, but was actually, it was quite a Monday. If it was intended as an insult, it was quite a weak one. Stephen Fry responded in a way that could be called melodramatic and it <laughs> happened to coincide with him leaving Twitter. But I'm starting to come round to the idea that it was just Stephen Fry being Stephen Fry. Yeah. And then one of Stephen Fry's other celebrity friends took it upon himself to call the person who had sent that relatively benign 
initial tweet all sorts of names and actually encourage his followers of which there were several thousand not quite as many as Stephen Fry has because I think um, literally there are more people following Stephen Fry than there are on the planet at the moment but yeah this this other celebrity friend encouraged all of his followers to attack the initial benign tweeter now in modern parlance the initial tweeter I have seen people doing what he did be called trolls I have also seen people doing what the other celebrity did. It was Alan Davis. I've also seen what they did be referred to as trolls, in which case, what does the word really mean anymore? It doesn't, doesn't really mean anything, does it? I find it uncomfortable when um, really unfortunate cases of like Facebook tribute pages having, you know, offensive messages or offensive photographs, you know, they've taken something too far they've been inappropriate or worse been you know not just made a made a mistake but you know they've actually been offensive they've intended to be offensive or hateful that is being described in the newspapers in the news media tv that sort of thing there's a panorama about it described Mm. as trolling but there are cases recently where people have been sent to prison for it, where they have been doing, you know, where they have been grossly offensive or indecent online. That should be considered for what it is, which is a criminal offence. I did want a portion of this of this show to be about how we deal with it and how we respond to that. I think the thing that we're still learning, those of us who may not have been internet natives for 10 years or 15 years or however long it might be, but for, but for those who you know are still coming to the internet anew, who are picking up their smartphones and engaging with social networks, you know, they haven't had anything to measure this against. This is what they think their online experience is now. We're still sort of learning how to deal with communicating to people that we don't really know or we have just met. There is a step of anonymity that's being taken away, as you were talking about in terms of Facebook. A lot of it now is on real name terms. Um, There is a mix of people on Twitter who will have a pseudonym or will have their real name. Other places like Google, for example, pretty much insist you have a real name now. Mm. I think in a drive to have some sort of accountability for our behaviour, But again, because you aren't necessarily in the real world environment with them doing that thing in real time in front of someone, there is still an abstraction, there is still a separation that we're getting used to, that we're still trying to kind of learn how to handle properly. And that can be in our behavior and also in how we react to other people, bringing something to us that wouldn't necessarily happen in the real world. One of the ways that everyone can deal with negative behaviours online or things that they see online that they don't like necessarily Mm. that much, a little bit more perspective and a little bit more understanding of what the online experience is really analogous with would go a long way to fixing, to smoothing over a lot of the problems that offline society, whatever that means, has with online society, but also that those of us online struggle with once we go online. Like people who don't spend a lot of time online think the analogy is it's either like you've sent them an email or it's like he was standing up on a street corner or on a stage well, on a stage more specifically, saying it to people in an inciting way. At the same time, although there is no reason for people to behave like dicks online and people are possibly more loud 
for all of the reasons we've talked about, they're yeah. maybe more loud and more obnoxious online than they would be in real life. There really isn't any reason for people to be dicks in real life either. No, but they're and they still, still yeah. they still are. And we seem to keep electing them more more often to, to be in charge of us, but that's besides the point. Or choosing them to be our celebrities or whatever. I mean, I don't think Simon Cowell's on Twitter, but he didn't get famous on Twitter, he got famous on TV. What we have online, though, which we didn't have, that, that's kind of unprecedented at any other point in, in history, mm. is we have all of these tools for filtering our experience. You can block people. You don't have to follow people. You can really tailor your own experience of a place. That fear of missing out. Like, I, I know that you and other people who know me have sort of become quite frustrated in the past with the fact that I still follow people who infuriate me and I get really nothing <laughs> positive about following them. And it's entirely a sort of a peer pressure that, well, maybe not a peer pressure, but this this fear that they might say something as vital as they was the sorts of things they were saying when I first followed them. Yeah. And I'll miss out on that. Um, or a lot of other people I follow are also following them or whatever. But that's entirely our own hang-up. It's not like being at school and having the person with the most forceful or obnoxious personality rule the whole thing and you have to put up with them. Or even when you grow up and you're in social groups when you're an adult, um, growing up's a tenuous, loaded term as well. You know, the social group you're in has a couple of dominant characters... Um, who always make all the decisions and you end up just going along with You don't have to deal with any of that stuff online if you don't want to. So if someone's saying something you don't like, you, you can literally just tune them out in a way normally reserved for um, significant others. So maybe that's the easiest way to deal with it. Get a sense of perspective and just don't listen to people who make you unhappy. There, I think I've sorted it. Good. Do you have uh, any solutions that are maybe a little bit more practical and sophisticated than mine? As you were saying, you know, there's no reason for anybody to be a dick online. There's no reason for anybody to be a dick in real life. It doesn't stop people from exercising these negative behaviours. You know, because the real world is a multifaceted, complicated place that's incredibly hard to deal with. And we're all just trying to make our way through it as best we can. Sometimes things inconvenience, inconvenience us or annoy us. And we react to them in perhaps less than ideal ways. In the early days of the World Wide Web and the Internet, there was this belief that all information would be free, that people could communicate to each other and, in a free and open way. And, and there was almost the potential of having a second civilization there, building a better, more ideal world, um, where in actual fact, it's just become a digital representation of who we are as human beings. And that does mean that every good and bad thing about us is available at the click of a mouse. At the end of mm. a search term, unlike chat rooms, unlike news groups, unlike message boards where they are much, much smaller groups, social networks have got such a footprint and have so many people involved in them that this is the closest thing to like real world conversations that people are having with other people now because there are so many people involved and because mm. we're getting more comfortable with communicating in these spaces that we are probably moving closer to one than we are away from zero in terms of how much like the real world this stuff is. We just have to stop looking at it as something different and start looking at it and understanding it as another extension of human behaviour, as stuff we do. If they have to be filtered in any way online, be thankful for the additional tools to allow that to do that. 
but the ultimate filter is just not bloody doing them. That is as much true in the online space as it is in real life. The way that, you know, we fix this stuff for good is just becoming better at dealing with this stuff everywhere. And mm. that's not necessarily a quick fix for everyone and not really a great way to end the podcast, but <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where is, we have to head. Yeah, I mean, that you put that really well. I think um, I definitely tend more towards the idea that maybe the online experience shows us the way to harmony in the real world and maybe we can't police other people's behavior but we can start to look at just making sure that we're policing ourselves that we aren't being negative oh god this sounds like self-help <laughs> that we aren't responding to negative we aren't responding to negative behavior by being negative back there is the whole thing about feeding the troll but you're not really feeding the troll you're feeding the troll doesn't even understand that they're being fed you're just feeding into this cycle and you're most of the time you end up being a dick yourself part of the problem with rising to that bait and feeding the troll is you sort of start becoming one yourself yeah you know you're oh, not aware sure. of it you don't think you're doing it but you will start engaging in very similar behaviors in order to win something that can't be won because the trolls game is is always played by the trolls rules i'm definitely guilty of that because no one once they're in an argument is that happy with not having the final word even if they didn't want to be in the argument in the first place. Mm. And people only remember the last raised voice they heard. They don't remember why you got into the argument. They just remember that you were the one who uh, called the other person something evil and wished they were dead. I think that's it. I think, I think we've covered it. <laughs> I think you've got the last word. Oh, shit, that wasn't what I meant. <laughs> shit. Well, I mean, you can cut it anyway. You can cut it so that you have the last word. <laughs> Maybe I will. Oh, God, my phone's ringing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to answer it. I'll just let it go to answer phone. That's cool. But actually, I'm going to have to, because what's going to happen now is, because the mobile phone hasn't been picked up, the home phone's going to be rung, so <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with this. It's all right. Nobody ever calls me. Well, I mean, sometimes my wife calls me because she likes to check in with me, but but there isn't really oh, yeah. anyone else. Cold. Well, I sometimes get cold called, I suppose. Um, no. doesn't necessarily make you feel wanted, and although I do sometimes try and engage them in conversation, if they're nice, right. if they sound friendly. And not so much now that I'm married, but... Uh, in the past, I had some quite nice conversations with uh, with telesales people. I think, well, I thought they were nice. Always felt a little bit guilty that I'd I'd keep them on the line though, and uh, yeah, essentially I'd be cutting into their, their livelihood. But you know, I think generally we both we both got something out of the conversation. So I think it used to be a much more giving, right, conversationalist. I used to used to be a lot more generous. I don't know if I've become more needy as time goes on, or, is it, or I've just well, got more to say. I don't know. I wonder if it's a cold caller that's called Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. I can't really talk right now. I'm in the middle of talking to a friend online, so um, I will... Uh, I'll give They're going to think he's talking well. about phone sex. Okay. Cheers, man. Speak to you later. Bye. Oh, okay, maybe not.